You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. You can find me and my team at rickthomas.net. If you want to change, we'd be glad to talk with you. If you have a situational difficulty or some other issue that you would like to discuss, you can go to rickthomas.net, and it would be a joy to do that with you. Our mission statement is in the footer of virtually every page of the website, And it says our mission is to help people by providing practical tools for ongoing training for effective living. That is our mission statement. We want to help people. That's what we do. That is the bottom line, to bring fame to God by helping people. We do this by providing practical tools. I think there is a consensus out there that our tools are quite practical and they are implementable. You can implement them into your life And it also says we help people by providing practical tools for ongoing training, realizing that sanctification is progressive. There is no one and done when it comes to learning things. We are always learning things. We are always students. And so we want to come alongside people, preferably local churches, to help them in the ongoing training of the body of Christ. And then the last part is for effective living so that we can live effective, practical lives that are impacting people for the glory of God. So our mission statement is to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. And I'm so grateful that you are here listening to this podcast because this is one of the ways that we do it. We have two podcasts, Life Over Coffee and Your Daily Drive. Your Daily Drive is where I am in process of putting all of my article content in audio format. Podcast is what we call them now so that people can listen to them on the run. Some people prefer to listen to uh, content rather than read, and so we have both options for you. You can read or listen or do both, and Your Daily Drive is where I put my articles in podcast. And then we have the Life Over Coffee podcast as well, where I deal with topics and interviews and eclectic things. But I am glad that you are here. In today's podcast, I want to deal with something that is so common with so many of us. It's about our past, things that we have done in our past that we regret, that we are shameful about. We wish we could take it back, but we can't take it back, and Sometimes things happen in our past, whether it is something that we have done or something that was done to us, and if we're not careful, we can fall into a deep ditch. I want to share with you a case study about an individual who committed a sin in her past, and and as she has indexed forward a couple of decades or so, she's still carrying the baggage of what she did wrong. Now, the title of the podcast and the article on the website, if you want to read it, is I Had Sex as a Teen. Will God Forgive Me? That is the title of the podcast and the article. Now, it's dealing with a specific issue, a teenager who went on a mission trip. This is not a true story, by the way. It's fictional. It may it may be true, probably was, but I am not 
I don't know of anyone who did the specific things in this article. But it's about a teenager who went on a mission trip to New York City and had sex with her youth pastor. And now she has moved forward uh, a few decades, and she's still carrying the baggage of that. Now, this is a specific case study dealing with sex in the past, but this podcast will be helpful for any person who is struggling with baggage from their past. And so you can change this around. You can take out the word sex and say, I did X, Y, Z in my past, or this is what happened in my past, and I've been carrying this baggage, and I feel the guilt and shame of it all of these years. That's the idea, and what I would want to communicate to any person who is still carrying or shackled to their past with guilt and shame, is that the gospel frees us from all of our past sins, though some Christians do not know how to be released from their past actions. And the long-term guilt can be deadly to their souls as well as to their current relationships. And that's what happened to Mabel. Mabel is my fictional character that I have been using lately, Biff and Mabel. And in this story, it's about Mabel who went on that mission trip many years ago. And so if you are struggling with things from your past or if you know somebody, I trust that this podcast will be helpful. I do want to give a big shout out to Virginia and Irene. Irene is uh, became a recurring supporter uh, to our ministry at $30 a month. Thank you so much, Irene. And Virginia made a one-time donation to our ministry as well. Thank you so much, Virginia. You people, you are the ones that you value what we do, and you put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, and you help. And I do thank you for doing that because we want to keep this, our content, our resources as free as possible. But in order to do that, somebody needs to be underwriting it. So thank you, Virginia, for your kind gift. Thank you, for uh, Irene, for being uh, becoming a recurring member. If you want to donate to our ministry, it's really easy. You can text. It's RTNET, R-T-N-E-T, and the number is 41444, so 41444, and text RTNET, and that will pull up the page that you need to make a one-time or recurring donation. So thank you so much, Virginia, and thank you, Irene, and also the many other people who help us do what we do. If you do want to read this podcast, please go to rickthomas.net. The title as I said, I had sex as a teen. Will God forgive me? You can type all of that or some version of that into the web page, and, and you'll get that. The search box is in the upper right-hand side of the website. You'll see it. It says search, and you can type words or phrases in there, and it'll pull up what you need. And I would encourage you to share this. There are a lot of people walking around with baggage from their past, and it not just weighs them down, but it, it really cripples them uh, relationally in their current relationships. And, and that is what happened to Mabel. Mabel became a Christian when she was 11 years old. Today, she is 35 years old. Those early years with the Lord were a sweet time in her life. It was a break for her because she lived in a chaotic home. And so when she became a Christian, a Christian, 
As an 11-year-old little girl, everything seemed new to her, and she felt like that she had a fresh start. But her relationship with her dad, which is common, too common, way too common in our culture, it was never good. And the load of guilt that she had heaped upon herself, it created a lot of tension in their home. Being a Christian brought peace to her soul that she had never known before. And so she was exploring a new kind of life a life that was radically different from the relationship that she had with her father. Mabel was not to blame for all the dysfunction in the home. She had her own issues for sure, but the guilt and the insecurity she felt because of her dad's harshness toward her and his distance from her, that was the impetus for a lot of longstanding anger problems. And those are two of the most hurtful things that a father can do to a a little girl. You can be harsh, unkind, angry, whatever form of anger it may be. And then you can also be distant. That is a double whammy. This passivity or distance, it really communicates a loud message that you are of no value to me. And then you compound it by being harsh and unkind. And it's not unusual for a little girl to grow up angry because of that. The night she came forth to make a profession of faith was the beginning of a bright and new future for Mabel. So she thought. Mabel became heavily involved with her youth group from the beginning. Her new friends were a breath of fresh air compared to her home life. What she understands now at 35 years of age but did not know then was that her youth group served more as an escape from her home life rather than a place where she was discipled in the Word of God. It was a refuge, but unfortunately, she wasn't discipled the way that she should have been. She was discipled by her youth team, and she did grow in the Lord, but the discipleship didn't drill down far enough to uncover what was going to come out eventually. And that is a problem with some youth groups. They can be more fun than theological. They can be more superficial than in-depth. They can be more social than transformative. And by the time that Mabel was 16, her youth group experience had, had morphed from a refuge from her home to a contest. Mabel became a flirt. Though she did not recognize her insecurities at the time, She now sees that the way she manipulated boys to like her helped her to feel better about herself. And that's what I was saying earlier, that her youth group did not drill down deep enough to get at some of these underlying insecurities that she had in her life. Insecurities that had been created, perpetuated, exacerbated by her father's harshness and distance. And so her youth group was more more of a refuge than it was a transformation center. And it was a huge mistake, but she didn't know any better. I mean, she loved it because it was so radically different from her home life. And then, of course, the youth team and the youth leader were not skilled at at discerning these things about the kids that were in the youth group. Particularly, we're talking about Mabel here. For her, a boy's favor that she could accrue through manipulation compensated for her dad's disfavor and the sadness she felt when she was around her daddy. 
her little self-made world came crashing down while on a youth trip to New York City. Mabel had sex with Biff, the youth leader. At the time, it was just a fling that both of them thought best to sweep under the rug, but as the years went on, Mabel's secret began to gnaw away at her soul. And I've talked about this in other writings, in other podcasts. In fact, I have a book in my store called Exchanging the Truth for a Lie. There is only one right response to sin, and that is repentance. You can hide it behind you. You can bury it. You can sweep it under the rug. All of those things will prove to be detrimental. The only way to get rid of sin is to acknowledge it, own it, repent from it, and and learn to walk a new way. But rather than repenting of her sin and allowing herself to be exposed to others so she could receive help, Mabel internalized what she did in New York City. And the guilt she carried began to work itself out in varied and strange ways. Now I want to list for you Three ways in which this buried sin, unrepented sin, began to work out in Mabel's behaviors, her words, her actions. Here's one of those varied and strange ways. Gossip and criticism. She became a critic. She became a gossip. To compensate for her guilty conscience, that's what was going on inside of Mabel, her inner voice was saying, you did wrong in New York City, you did wrong in New York City, and she had to compensate for this noise that was going on in her soul that nobody else could perceive, and the way that she compensated for it was by becoming critical of others, especially her husband. Now she is married, and she is a critical woman Though she did not recognize her sin as self-righteousness, self-righteousness is a greater than, better than attitude. She was regularly picking her husband apart for every sin or indiscretion he committed. Rather than being a gracious or being gracious by helping him with his problems, she, she criticized him. Putting others down was her twisted way of feeling better about herself. Recognize what's going on here. She feels bad internally, guilt and shame. She had buried this sin. She's not repented of it. It's gnawing away at her. Her inner voice is telling her how awful she is. And so putting others down was her twisted way of feeling better about herself. This process of criticism and gossip lifted her up in her mind. Of course, she did not see the problem at all with sharing the sins of others, especially her husband's, with anyone who would listen And so one of the varied and strange ways in which she carried her guilt and how it worked out in her future relationships now that she's a married woman, one was criticism and gossip. The second one was self-atonement and ministry. To compensate for her guilty conscience, Mabel became heavily involved in ministry. Though she knew this was theological madness, there was a low-grade satisfaction 
in thinking how her good works for God in ministry were better than the misdeeds she committed in New York City. Do you see what's going on here? That's self-atonement, where you atone for your sins. You make the payment for your sins. That's what I'm talking about. And she did this through ministry. Now, this really becomes complicated because you can go into ministry and everybody applauds. Everybody gives you kudos and high fives and gratitude because you are ministry-minded. But just like the youth group, her youth group, when she was a, a youngster, when she was a teenager, they did not drill down far enough. How many people are in ministry today as a form of self-atonement, a form of feeling better about themselves to compensate for the things that are internally broken? Rather than resting in the finished work of Christ, Mabel doubled down on her ministry efforts with the illusion that the positive things she was doing would outweigh the bad that that she did. Now, if you ask her, for by grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, she would say yes and amen. She would say, it's not by works of righteousness that I have done, but by the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. But functionally, practically, she was self-atoning, and she was using ministry as the means of self-atonement. So she became a critic and a gossip, which is a way of elevating herself as she devalued others. She began to self-atone by compensating through ministry. And then the third way is hypersensitivity and anger. To compensate for her guilty conscience, Mabel felt the need to be perfect. In her mind, she could not make a mistake. Of course, this was an impossible standard to achieve The way Mabel accomplished this was by alienating herself from any possible criticism. Her friends, if they wanted to remain her friends, never said anything critical to her. Her husband and family walked on eggshells knowing that any moment she would fly off in a rage if they dared accuse her of a mistake. She was hypersensitive and angry. Mabel lived in her self-insulated world of justifications, excuses, blaming, criticism. She refused to own the problems in her life, choosing rather to place the problems on other people. Now, what people would see is a hypersensitive person who is angry. But what they would not understand is that two decades ago, she's 35 now, be 25, 15, something like that, two decades ago, she had sex with with her youth leader in New York City and she's been and guilt has been eating away at her all this time and it's worked out as criticism and gossip self-atonement and ministry hypersensitivity and anger mabel probably was genuinely saved as a youngster however she has never come to terms with the gospel as it applies to her sanctification Mabel is a fearful, angry, legalist. Her friends, who have never gone past first base with her, would be shocked to know 
the real Mabel. It is so imperative that we drill down into each other's lives, that we are intentional about building the kind of relationships that we need so that we can ask the extra question. You know, how are you doing? I am doing fine. And then we leave it at that. As I've said before, fine means uh, feelings inside not expressed. F-I-N-E, feelings inside uh, never expressed. My friend Mike shared that with me many, many years ago, and it's an excellent acronym because it's so true. And too often, we are too easily satisfied with that one-word response. How are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? Good. And we don't ask the extra question. We don't dig deep enough, and so we live on the surface of each other's lives. And they know the surface Mabel. But the real Mabel has been locked in a vault and hidden in the depths of her heart for over two decades. Sadly for Mabel, she's never had anyone to love her the way she needs to be loved. She needs a friend who has the grace, the discernment, and the courage to explore her guilt-ridden heart. And it will take all of those things. It will take grace patience, favor, mercy, compassion. It'll take discernment, being able to see what's not being said because Mabel's not going to give up much information. Information forthcoming would be like pulling teeth, and so it would take a lot of discernment. It's one of the things that we teach, or I try to teach our mastermind students. You have to see what is not visible. You have to perceive what's not being said. You have to discern the things that are not being laid out for you. Good counselors, good disciples do this. They learn how to do this. It is a gift from the Lord. You need grace. You need discernment. And you need courage to explore her guilt-ridden heart. It will take a lot of boldness. Not unkindness, but boldness. Not a lack of compassion, but courage. You can be compassionate, and you can be kind, and be bold and courageous at the same time, because you'll have to lead. This is a definite leadership issue, because she's not going to be an easy person to explore. She will not be cooperative. She hasn't been cooperative in 20 years, and she's picked up these Ways of dealing with it, criticism, gossip, self-atonement, ministry, hypersensitivity, hypersensitivity, (laughs) easy for you to say, hypersensitivity and anger. And so they know the surface, Mabel. She needs a friend to come alongside her to help her see herself correctly in a gospel mirror. When Jesus said from the cross that it is finished, he meant that there is nothing else for us to do to earn God's favor, and there is not. It is done, accomplished. Our redemption has been accomplished on the cross, the resurrection, the ascension. It is finished. There is no need for or possibility of any person paying for their sin. Mabel can't and should not pay for her sin. The gospel also means that there is no sin outside of God's ability to forgive. God will forgive if you ask. I'm a proud man, and I acutely understand how hard it is to own my sin. There are many things I would rather do than tell the truth about myself. 
But I have learned as an old man now, I'm not that person from the past, but as an old man, I've learned that if I'm not honest with myself and not honest with those who are closest to me, there is there is a possibility that I will spin off into distorted self into a self-deceptive existence. Without the grace of God and true biblical friendships, there would be no recovery. I like what Frederick Beekner said. I, I've quoted this a few times in, in my articles in time past, but it's such a good quote. It has affected me tremendously, and I want to share it with you. It's on page three, if I got that right, from his book, Telling Secrets, Frederick Beekner. He said, it is important to tell, at least from time to time, the secret of who we truly and fully are because otherwise we run the risk of losing track of who we truly and fully are and little by little come to accept instead the highly edited version which we put forth in hope that the world will find it more acceptable than the real thing. That quote is tucked away here inside of this article for this podcast. I had sex as a teen. Will God forgive me? I would encourage you to read it and to meditate on it because it's simply profound. What we tend to do is put forth a highly edited version of ourselves. That's called Facebook, by the way. But we also do that in real life as well, not just in cyberspace. We, we put forth a highly edited version of ourselves, hoping that the world will find it more acceptable than the real thing. Mabel needs a biblical friend. She has friends, but she needs a biblical relationship who is willing to walk her through the turmoil of her soul. Now, perhaps you are the Mabel in this story. Now, maybe you are a male, that, that you're not a female as Mabel is, and perhaps you didn't have sex, and that's not the shame and guilt that you are carrying. Your events may be different. Your sin may be different. But the guilt and accompanying long-term temptations are the same. There are a lot of older and bitter people who are just critical, self-atoning, hypersensitive because they are carrying a weight inside of themselves. And here's my appeal to you. If this story relates to you, then I appeal to you to reach out to a trusted friend who will do more than console you. You do need to be consoled. You do need compassion. You need a lot of patience and a lot of compassion. But you need someone who is willing to step up to the plate and come along beside you in the way that you need their friendship. It may sting a little, but it will also set you free. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is a friend, okay? You'll know it. You want to talk to a friend, not a superficial friend, not an incompetent friend, incompetent in the sense that they are not competent enough to come alongside you. But it is a biblical friend, and their wounds will be faithful, and they will help you. So the title of the podcast and the article, I Had Sex as a Teen, Will God Forgive Me? Here's your call to action. I have three simple questions that I want to ask you. Number one is, are you still bound by sins from your past? That is a yes or a no. And and I'm not 
criticizing you here or condemning you, but how you answer this question will reveal your functional theology. It will reveal how you relate to God. It's a simple black and white direct question. Are you still bound by a sin or sins from your past? If you say yes, then it is problematic. And again, it's not a condemnation, but it just reveals that you, you have a theological issue and it needs to be resolved. You need help today. Number two, if you are bound from your past, why have you not been released by the power of the gospel? Think through that question and, and try to answer it and maybe even discuss that question with your friend. If you're bound by sins in the past, why have you not been released by the power of the gospel? What's underneath that? Are you angry with God? Are you afraid of God? Sometimes some people are angry with God because of what happened to them in the past. Well, it's going to be hard to be forgiven of what went on when you are angry with the Lord. And so you have to get underneath this as to why the power of the gospel is not releasing you from the shame and guilt of your past. Question number three, will you find a compassionate, competent, courageous friend? All three of those words are important. They're irreplaceable. Compassionate, competent, courageous friend to help free you from your past. Now, perhaps you have nobody like that in your life. If you don't, then I would encourage you to seek us out. We have a free public forum. If you are a member of our site, you can go to the private forum and talk directly to me but also respond on the free public forum. And so I would encourage you to contact us. We also have counseling. We provide counseling. Three of my students provide counseling, and we have other counselor options. So let us know how we can serve you. It would be our pleasure. It's what we live for. I am Rick Thomas. You are listening to Your Daily Drive. You can read this podcast on the website. I had sex as a teen. Will God forgive me? Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.